2: The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. Ha
0: ha ha! You're on the crazy train! Oh!
2: Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, folks, it's another Saturday
3: morning and Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, along with Sam Schmitz on the boards are here on this beautiful Saturday morning. As you know... We are here every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. right here at the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. And you can get in touch with us if you want during the show by calling us at 414 799 1250. Or you can always email us live at CEOGuys at yahoo.com. Good morning, Danny.
4: Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Sam.
5: Good morning.
3: All righty. So, hey, we got a quick email. Came in right away this morning from Bruce Uh He always likes to let us know that he went fishing and would catch a fish or two. But interesting enough, he says that the water temperature on a Waukesha County Lake was 67 degrees. So it's starting to go down. Also, he said that uh, Fleet Farm now has non-ethanol mid-grade gas. He says he usually uses that in his boat and lawn equipment said it was not available in Waukesha County. Now it is. Now the one thing I'd like to know if is it all Fleet Farms have it, or is it just in Waukesha County? That's what I'd like to know. So maybe the uh, so Uper can uh, let us know that.
4: Well, you know what you could do, Tom, is in between your bridge reports, you could stop at Fleet Farms all over the state and, and check it out.
3: Yeah, I would. I, would, I would, I'll tell you what. I there's a Fleet Farm. In uh, Germantown, I would go to if they had real gas, uh, but I could I I could go in Waukesha County. Uh, there's a Fleet Farm out in Waukesha. I, I could go out there.
4: What What do you mean, real gas?
3: Oh, by non-ethanol, no
4: so, ethanol. So, yeah. so are you a proponent of just using non-ethanol gas?
3: No, I'd rather have real gas in my lawnmower and my outboard or whatever else, you know, anything that takes, you know, any equipment that takes real gas, I'd rather have, you know, non-ethanol gas.
4: So is that what you always use for all your equipment then?
3: Well, no, it's just too damn far to drive, (laughs) you know, where I, I mean, the, the couple places that I know of, they're just, you know, they're like 45 minutes away and I'm not going to drive that far.
4: So... How, how, how's your lawnmower and all those things running? Yeah, so far so good. Well, that's what I got to say, because I, I know there's some guys that say, oh, yeah, you can't use the ethanol in the, uh, in the auger or whatever. You know what? I've been using just your basic 87 octane, 10% ethanol in everything and anything, and it hasn't hurt a doggone thing. Everything's been running just great. Uh, including my old 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 auger, so I don't know. I suppose they used to say that the ethanol, I think didn't they say that dried out like some of the rubber gaskets or something yeah, stupid right. like that? And,
3: and I'm sure on some stuff it does, but maybe they've made them better. I don't know. I know I haven't had a problem either.
2: So
4: I would think I would think uh, most things made today, um, most things made today pretty much are designed. For the gas that's right. you know right. uh, predominant today. Now, if up in Superior, interestingly enough, I believe it was at the Quick Trip that they did have non-ethanol gas up there. Now, you got to understand, right there by Superior, that's still a lot of country folk, uh, still farming area. I got a feeling you got a lot of people that have lots of those types of. Uh, Types of things that they use, either farming in, implements uh, or, yep. you know, small small motors, maybe even four-wheelers and stuff, snowmobiles. Maybe up there there's a real demand where, you know, those people still want the uh, non-ethanol gas. I'm only speculating.
3: Well, it's only, you know, I mean, the non-ethanol is required in only five counties. The rest of the state, they can have, you know, real gas oh, uh, so or it's non-ethanol re- gas.
2: If so it's actually
4: want. it's actually required by the county to have yeah,
3: it? Yeah, there's five counties around us that are required to sell only non-ethanol gas. Only? Yep. Mm-hmm.
4: You mean, I mean you can't me. get
3: gas? Excuse me. Yeah. They're, they're, they have to sell ethanol gas, gas with ethanol. Yes. I'm sorry, I misspoke.
4: Only gas with ethanol. Right, they, exactly. In other words, it's illegal for them to sell anything else.
3: Right, exactly.
4: Okay, so which keeps so the Tom Neubauers of the of the world from driving 45 minutes to get gas for his lawnmower.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I got a one-gallon can. I mean, I'm not going to go out there for one gallon, so... They,
4: they do make five-gallon cans.
3: Yeah, but I don't want one that big. Okay,
4: boy, you're a fussy guy. You know, I've had a gas talking about this, but can we move on to another? Uh, we got another email there?
3: No, we're good. Oh, okay. All right, so we can move on. <laughs> we can move on.
4: Okay. Well, thanks, Bruce the Uper, yeah, and uh, the youper. Yeah. yeah. And if anybody does have a uh, hunting or fishing report, four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. What's our email if someone wants to email us during the show?
3: CEOguys at yahoo.com.
4: Okay. So, Tom, I got a question for you. Yeah. Okay. You have been around for a long time. Right?
3: Yeah, I've been around. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, you're kind of an old guy, right? Yep. Okay. Been fishing a long time. Fishing since you were knee-high to a grasshopper.
3: So You know, the first picture, or I should say, you know, somebody asked me one time, how long have you been fishing? I said, I'm not quite sure, but I do have a picture of me at five years old, standing on a dock, holding a cane pole with my right arm in a cast and a wooden boat next to the dock you know fishing at five so it's been a while yeah
4: <laughs> yeah the most amazing part of that photo is is you had a mustache so <laughs> anyway anyway <laughs> have you have you ever heard of the June bug strip-on rig oh yeah sure
3: I remember the June bug rigs yeah, June, that's an old rig from many years ago.
4: The Junebug yep. Strip on Spinner.
3: Yep. You could put a minnow on it. You didn't it? You you run it through the this piece of wire through the minnow's mouth, came out its rectum, and then you put the two hook thing on instead of a treble hook, it was a double hook.
4: Yes, exactly, Tom. And I remember, uh, f- uh, probably 55 years ago. Uh, when I was a little kid, and Dad would go fishing and he would like to use a strip on the spinner rig. And he just called it a strip on. and uh, he would use a smelt and put that on. And I remember uh, one time he was casting it up there near Superior. I think it was off the Wisconsin point there into Lake Superior and he had a northern pike grab it. And he had it on for a little bit, and then it uh, then it got off, and the smelt was all tore up. But uh, he, I remember him always using this rig, and when I was cleaning out his, you know, stuff when he died, I don't know, 10, 12, how many years ago, there was an old rusty, maybe one or two old rusty rigs, and I remember it, and it had kind of a brass blade on it. So I, I always, you know, but I've never, ever, Seen one since in any bait shop from Green Bay down to here to any uh, catalog online, whatever. So I go up to uh, Superior. Uh, As you know, I was up bear hunting up there, Tom. And there's a little bait shop. As you come in on Highway 2 into Superior, and then that turns into, I don't know what road that, if they call that Grand Avenue or whatever, it kind of turns into the main drag you got the shipping stuff, uh, Barker's Island, all that stuff, Lake Superior right on your right-hand side, and the hills of Duluth in front of you. Uh, But you come in on U.S. Highway 2, and um, there's a little bait shop called the Bait Box. And, Tom, I remember that bait shop being there, swear to God, when I was a little kid. And about 20, it was 1998, on the way to Lake of the Woods, I and my friend Scott Olson stopped there. And I remember Scott bought a couple of nice tip-ups there for our trip up to Lake of the Woods. Um, So it's been, you know, most of these small bait shops have closed. But um, I I wanted to buy some, some sucker minnows to fish offshore. During the day, because it was going out of my mind at the cabin, you know, waiting for Jeff to go bear hunt that night. There was, you know, and I I did go take a walk and I shot grouse. And I I did a lot of woods walking and checking on stuff, trails, deer trails and so forth. But uh, I wanted to go maybe go fish from shore. So sure enough, that's the only place in Superior that has live bait. And they're still there. And I went in there. I talked to an old timer there. And uh, he talked about, you know, Wisconsin Point, uh, how there was an old-timer would come in and buy sucker minnows from him every day years ago. And, and that's an area where, you know, my dad used to go fish off of that. He uh, One time he was camping with us in Patterson State Park, and some guy said, where do I go fishing? And my dad said, I'll go out to Wisconsin Point, and you can soak bobbers with smelt and suckers and catch pike. And the guy came back with a giant pike in the cooler a couple hours later, all happy. But anyway... Uh, in this little bait shop, Tom, I'm wandering around, and in the corner, they have the Junebug Strip-On Rigs. They got they got them hanging there for sale, and they're made. I haven't seen them anywhere. It's the Prescott. It's called the Prescott Classic Junebug Strip-On Rig, Deadly Minnow Rig. It says, catch more walleye, pike, bass, stripers, and trout. And then on the back, it says that the... Uh, um, the uh, Prescott strip-on spinner is still one of the deadliest rigs ever designed for presenting live or dead bait. Uh, they're great rigs for live dead minnows, uh, night crawlers, or leeches. Originally introduced in 1893, Tom, 1893, Prescott spinners have caught millions of fish for many generations of anglers. So I couldn't believe they still make them, but you don't find them except up in Superior. My dad was using them 60, 70 years ago, and, and you walk into a bait shop and they sell them up there. Why don't I don't see, I don't see them down around here?
3: Yeah, well, you know what I think? I mean, I, I could be totally off base, but maybe I, you know, it almost seems to me like they are not made anymore. But he just happened to have them that nobody was buying them. And they and he's had them for the last 30, 40 years. You know, maybe, what? that could be.
4: Well, in looking at the package, and that's a good thought, Tom. If I saw some, like the only ones my dad had were ones with the brass blade. Uh, And and there's not much to them, but they do charge $4.49. And I bought a couple, but there's much more modern blade colors. There's a glow and a dark and spotted. And then I looked on the back, and it says uh, Prescott uh, Lures is a division of Yellowbird products located in Spring Grove, Illinois. And their other products are Yellowbird planer boards, uh, Dr. Spoons, Weedless Docks, Thin Doctor Trolling Spoons, KB Spoons, um, yeah. Bobbitt Canadian Spinner Rigs. So yeah, apparently it looks like it's a, it's an it, Illinois company.
3: Yeah, maybe still made. Wow. And you know what? That I mean, I remember I had years ago, I remember, I mean, a long time ago. I, when I was a lot younger, I had some of those in my tackle box. And when I was real young, I did use them. I, I did use them. I don't remember if I caught any fish or not on them. But, uh, but the thing is, I cleaned out my tackle box and I got rid of them because I thought, well, these aren't, you know, I'm not going to use these anymore.
4: Yeah, old and rusty.
3: Yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know what? They They would work today.
4: They would work. You- you yeah. do have a great memory, Tom, because it, it's got a, a hook that has two hooks on it. It's not a treble hook. You're right. It's one of that two hook. And once you run that through the, through the minnow, you put that little two hook thing on there. So the only thing I can think is, you know, I know my dad caught pike on him. Uh, he used to fish a flowage up there. Um, I forget the name of it, but he'd catch pike. Probably not a lot of, but dad never got a lot of big pike, but. He would catch them on them, but that little two hook thing, that's the only thing is you, you kind of wonder whether, uh, how, how what your hooking percentage is, is going to be with that. But you know, I guess when they came out with the MEPS Minnow, which was basically a spinner, but it wasn't the hair type spinner or bucktail type spinner, right. it had that minnow on the back. Yeah, you know, I remember we used to catch pike on that too with the MEPS Minnow. Yeah, and it's,
3: uh, it's almost the same thing in a way, you know. Yes spinner yes. with a minnow,
4: yeah. But that's kind of a forgotten bait as well. I think they make, I think I've seen smaller ones, Meps minnows in stores, and I think those are made, you know, like for stream trout and so forth. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't used the Meps minnow in years, maybe because I thought, oh, they're not going to be fooled by this stupid rubber minnow, but when you think about it, <laughs> the the ju- classic June bug spinner rig is basically the same thing, except now they actually got the actuals the scent and feel and texture of an actual live live or dead bait
3: that's right and if anybody thinks of an old lure that's not around anymore or that maybe they saw one someplace you can always call us at 414-799-1250 and with that nanny we're going to take our first break of the day so folks we'll be right back with more of the wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors
4: Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. We want to thank all of our listeners out there on this rainy morning. Uh, Rather, you know, the depressing part about this time of year now, Tom, is, you know, just a few weeks ago it was daylight outside my window when the show was going on and the birds were chirping and now it's back to being dark again this time in the morning and it's tough for a guy to get out of bed now.
3: Yeah, I know it sucks. I know I always look forward to that sun being up and getting up, and now it's dark and gloomy. Is it raining out already?
4: Yeah, it, well, it's been raining at least at night uh, out yeah. here, because I looked at the the, the, the uh, pavement is wet outside, my friend. Oh,
3: okay, all right. Well, today's kind of a big day for the Newbauer family. I got everybody coming over to our house today for uh, one of our family fish fries. So, and, but the fish will be, uh, we, we use a deep fryer outside, you know, the, the one that you would use like for turkeys, but right. we use the one for uh, fish anyway, and that's going to have to be in the garage, because uh, can't have that outside if it's raining, so, does, but other than that, you know, we're going to have uh, the big fish fry today.
4: Tom, does does anybody use those turkey fryers for turkeys anymore? Seems oh, like yeah. every... They do. Okay, seems like everybody I knew was, was getting those, and and they do make delicious turkeys. They do. Uh, and uh, a good friend of mine, Bill Mackey, years ago, uh, and he passed away, unfortunately, before I got a chance to go visit him. He had moved up near Peatonwell, flowage, but he made one here years ago, and it was really, really good, but it seems like it's an awful lot of work, and, and don't you have to be careful that the, the oil doesn't explode well, or something like that? Well...
3: The first time I did it, uh, I didn't, you, you know, that doesn't come with directions, really, you know. And uh, so the first time I did it, instead of lowering it in slowly into the oil, right, I dropped it right in. Well, guess what? That oil started bubbling and sizzling and came right over the top of the kettle and it was all over the floor and it's like, oh my lord. Yeah, it was a big mess. So I learned the hard way. you got to lower it in slowly. But I think one of the reasons that people don't use it as much nowadays, it's a great idea, and it, and it is great, and it, you can make a turkey really fast, but the oil costs more than the darn turkey. You know, the right. oil that you got to use costs a lot more. And so I think maybe people get away from that a little bit.
4: The oil costs more than the turkey. Oh, yeah. And it, what was there a special kind of oil that you used? Well, There's so, so re- many kinds.
3: They would recommend peanut oil, but that's way too expensive. You can use just plain old vegetable oil. Just plain wow. old vegetable
4: oil works fine, yeah. Why did they say peanut oil? I, I remember that now. I, I
3: think maybe it's got a higher flash point or something. I don't know why peanut oil. I really don't know.
4: I thought it was something that it might taste better you know you think peanut oil we think Uh, oh it it tastes like peanutty it tastes good it
3: tastes the same it tastes the same with uh vegetable oil
4: i've never where do you buy peanut oil i don't think i've ever seen it
3: yeah they got them in stores they do yeah in the oil you know with all the other oils they got it and yeah instead of spending well every now and then you can find the regular vegetable oil on sale for a buck 99 otherwise it's about two and a half bucks let's say Peanut oil, though, it was like four and a half, five, six dollars for the right. same size. Yeah, it's a little well, too expensive.
4: Well, there's a number of different oils, and I, I try not to eat fried, a lot of fried stuff, but I did fry some fish this summer. So I was trying to research, Tom, you know, which is the healthiest type of oil. And that looks to me like olive oil is supposed to be the best, but apparently there's something with that that might burn a little bit different as far as the yeah, that's got, got a
3: slower smoking point.
4: Yeah. Slower, so it can start smoking easier than yeah. the other stuff, right?
3: Yeah, it you can't get it as hot. Yeah.
4: So you hey, just got
2: it. Gotta...
3: We got the email that, we asked, that I asked for.
2: Oh, okay. This
3: is from J Plug. He says Waukesha County is one of the five counties that cannot sell ethanol free gas. I call. I call a hornschwaggle that Fleet Farm selling it here in Waukesha County. He goes to East Troy for the good stuff. So he's saying that Waukesha County, you still can't sell that uh, uh, ethanol-free gas. Uh, that that maybe the 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 Uper was giving us a hornswoggle.
4: Well, did 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 he say that in in Waukesha County, or did yes. he just say he yeah. just said the Fleet Farm in Waukesha County, and yeah. where?
3: But he said yeah.
4: Did he say which location? No. I guess there only. No, no, I guess there only. I guess there is one. Yeah, I huh. think there's only one in Walker County. Okay, so well, well, you know. Thanks
3: to J. Plug for letting us know.
4: Okay, now inquiring minds. Now I got to drive out to Fleet Farm today just to see for myself, being as we're getting, <laughs> being as we're getting some conflicting reports here, Tom.
3: Yeah, yes, there are. Well, that's all right. Well, I know Walker County was one of the counties that you could not sell ethanol free gas so
4: probably so back to your fish fry tom yeah yeah um so so well h- h- h-
2: go uh, ahead
3: i was just gonna say i i have a, a bag of crappies that i got for my friend ron you know heidenreich our friend and i got a bag of crappies from him i had two nice size bass that i cut up in the, oh probably about five pieces each My son Chris has got a bag of crappies, no, two bags, a bag of crappies and a bag of bluegills. And my son Nick has got a bag of crappies and I think a bass or two. So we're all set. We got plenty of fish for us. And then, of course, you know, you got to have other stuff. So, you know, we're going to make the fried potatoes with it. We got uh, creamed cucumbers. We got uh, rye bread, coleslaw. just trying to think there's other stuff probably so, i just can't think of it right now
4: so tom didn't didn't you after you you know you kind of had the heart surgery didn't your doctor kind of warn you off tell you to get off the fried food yeah
3: but so what i like
4: you're just I, you blowing can, it off aren't you, you you're you just can, saying you screw can, it Hey,
3: yeah, you can have it every now and then it's just that you don't want to have it you know every day or you don't want to have it like three times a week but every now and then yeah i can have fried foods sure
4: Oh, okay, so you're just you're not doing it a lot, just yeah, exactly. now and then. Yeah, You
3: just gotta watch it. Yeah, yeah.
4: Okay. And it's my wife I...
3: tells me I can't have cheeseburgers, but when she what she don't know don't hurt her.
4: <laughs> well, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking, how about now, like if you got a grilled burger, that's yeah. probably better than fried. hmm Um, and uh, you know, it, uh, although sometimes people say, oh, too much red meat, but um. I think a little bit. So, yeah, I think you got the right idea. It sounds like a great fish fry. So how many family members are coming over?
3: Well, let's see now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We got nine. Nine. Okay.
4: Okay. Well, that's...
3: that's, So it'll be enjoyable, yes.
4: And
5: then,
3: you know, come around 9 o'clock, I start yawning and telling them, you know, that front door ain't locked, you can... uh,
4: you know let them. yourself out when you feel comfortable <laughs> yeah yeah so big big day for tom
3: yeah yeah it'll be fun yeah we have hey, uh, we usually have like two of these a year
4: hey i got a uh, uh i woke up this morning i got a cool uh text message from uh my buddy uh scott's uh, son steven uh you know when when my you know brother passed away this may i've spent a lot of time this uh this uh, uh, summer uh, got sold all his guns for, for his you know for his widow, for his wife um, and gave her the money for those. And then there's been a whole lot of fishing equipment, uh, some I've sold, some I've given to friends. and there was a nice uh, bow, his brother's compound bow that he used for bow hunting, which he used to love to do. Um, and there's this nice bow there. And, uh, my buddy Scott was there with me kind of cleaning out, the, the, the uh, shed there. And he said, well, my son, Steven's been wanting to buy a bow, get a start bow hunting. I said, well, here, give him this. Well, I got a message sent to me. He's got a nice big buck that he shot. It looks like probably last night with my brother's bow. Apparently it was 45 yards away, quartering quartering away. And he nailed it with a perfect heart shot. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Tim would be, uh, my brother Tim would be proud. He'd be happy that uh, yeah. his bow, even though he's not alive to be slaying deer with it, it's still being used and still slaying the mighty buck.
3: Yeah, 45-yard shot. That's that's a long one. That's that's, that's a long yeah, shot. Well, darn good.
4: I don't think my brother would normally have kept his shots 30 yards and in and a lot of guys do. But you got to understand. I remember when I was young, Tom. When I was young and in high school. If there was a deer within 60 yards with a recurve, I'd be I'd be launching an arrow at the sun and hoping it landed in his heart. You know, you were throwing <laughs> arrows at him. So you know, at that age, you're 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 known to be more of a risk taker and think I can make this. I'm, fl- I'm gonna take the shot. So he took it. Um, so I can kind of understand the mentality. Now there are a lot of real good archers that practice a lot and have pins out to. 45, 50 yards, and my buddy Jerry used to shoot at 70 yards, he could hit a pop can, but that didn't mean he'd shoot at a deer at 70 yards, Right. so, right. Uh, but anyway, I was real happy uh, that uh, the bull went to good use, and uh, maybe there was, uh, maybe there was some karma from my brother guiding that arrow.
3: Well, that sounds, uh, that was, that's a great uh, thing for your, that's your, your friend's son, is that it? yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's great for him. Yeah, it's something that he'll remember for a long
4: time. Yeah, his, his first life. his first buck with a bow. Probably the yeah. first one he's ever shot at. First time he's had a bow.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, listen, with that, we got to take our bottom-of-the-hour break, folks. Coming up next is the Gut Report, so stay tuned for more. We'll be right back.
0: Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my
2: belly.
3: The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this recipe, folks, actually was originated by Mad Dog and Merrill, but I did it a little bit different. What they like you to do is take a whole piece of summer sausage, cut a V in it, fill it with barbecue sauce, and then put it on the grill. Well, I'd like to do things a little bit easier, a little less messy, and I like using the microwave. So what you want to do is you take your favorite summer, summer sausage and cut it uh, let's say five pieces. You can do as many as you want, but let's say on a small plate, and they got to be a quarter inch wide. All right, cut the pieces quarter inch wide, put them on the plate, and then put a uh, you know a little barbecue sauce right, right in the middle of it. Then put it in the microwave. Now, in my microwave, it takes about forty forty five seconds, and you'll see the 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 summer sausage kind of, I don't know, kind of kind of turn, starts getting a little rounder, uh, bubbling up almost. Not bubbling, but the middle part starts raising or rising, I should say. And anyway, that's when you know it's done. And to eat the summer sausage with the barbecue sauce is really good. If you've never had it, you want to try it. If you like summer sausage and you like barbecue sauce, you'll really like the two together. The Gut Report was brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service at 51st in Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. <laughs>
4: Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer. We always thank our listeners out there. We especially support law enforcement, first responders, healthcare workers, military. Thanks to all of you for what you do, and thanks to all of our listeners, near and far. Um, Tom, uh, I got a couple bear stories, if you don't mind.
3: Okay, uh, can I tell one quick email before we go to those real quick? This is from Gregory, and Gregory, Greg says, they're selling ethanol-free mid-grade gas at the Fleet Farm in West Bend. So thank you for that, Greg. Okay. All right, go ahead now. That's uh,
4: West Bend. Yeah. Which is not not Waukesha County.
3: Right. (laughs) I think that's Washington County.
4: Yeah, 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 it must be. Well, it must not be one of the uh, one of the five counties, whatever. So anyway, uh, I was going to try and get this gentleman on on air, but it couldn't get hooked up with him soon enough. Um, uh, up in uh, Superior, uh, as I was hunting, there's a little bar called the Manitou right by Patterson State Park, and uh, our waitress there, uh, it was his, her, uh, I believe it's her cousin. Uh, he, uh, he got, uh, he got chewed on by a bear. Oh. Uh, yeah. And, uh, really interesting story. It'd be something to, uh, something to, uh, uh, talk to him and maybe we'll see a story about it in the Wisconsin Outdoor News. But he, she actually, uh, actually some of his hunting buddies were actually there and, uh, they showed us on the phone, of course, the video of it so here's the deal there's this bear uh, which later i think it dressed out at like 476 pounds which means on the hoof it's a 500 pound plus bear wow they're they're running it with dogs and so the dogs have it at bay but it's not up in a tree and so <laughs> it's it's i shouldn't be laughing but i mean the guy survived um Young man na- named Ryan, I guess uh, he uh, the bears at bay, not up a tree. And so he's got his phone, evidently, and he's videotaping, right? Okay. Oh, you know, videotape. Here's the bear and the dogs are here and we got him at bay here waiting to, for someone to shoot him. I'm guessing that's what he was doing. But you only get about <laughs> two seconds of video with this big bear. And then it all just becomes a blur, and yeah. all you see, all you see is like a, a brush, and and you can tell that the camera or phone, in this case, is moving. Well, right. the bear, the bear turned and charged him. So for those brief couple of seconds, he's running, he's turned tail and he's running his tail off trying to get away from this bear.
3: Yeah, I
4: don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But one thing, you're not going to outrun a bear. And then if you listen to it, the audio real faint right, right after all of a sudden the, the, the running comes to a halt because you don't see a moving picture as much, all you hear is a, ah, <laughs> you hear this, ah. Well, apparently the bear grabbed him by the, by the knee, grabbed him by the knee, took him down, and uh then it was he's the guy he's fortunate it was it was going for the kill uh it probably would have i guess bit him in the neck and killed him or whatever but the dogs saved him the dogs all jumped in and on uh, jumped on the back of the bear and distracted him enough and managed to uh managed to save him and then i didn't get the story as to who the shooter was or if the shooter jumped in then and, and, and did it, but evidently someone shot the bear and I'm guessing he wasn't armed. I'm guessing. So, but I'm kind of wondering, Tom, you know, have we taken social media too far because, you know, in the old days I don't think anybody with a cell phone and a camera would be the first guy in closest to a Bay bear I would think it's the guy with the rifle who's going to shoot the doggone thing. You
3: would I, think, yeah, you would think so,
4: yeah. And and you don't necessarily try and get some great Facebook video prior, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know, or YouTube stuff. So it just seems like maybe in certain situations you're better off setting the camera down and, uh, well, you know, I've, I've been out, you know, fishing, you know, and, and you you got a couple clients and, Somebody hooks a fish. Now, when, when I, you know, have, have a couple trolling rods out and so forth, we hook a fish, I'll a lot of times wind a rod and hand it to the other guy. You know, the guy who was fighting the fish gets the rod with the fish on, but I might need to hand a rod to clear a rod and hand it to his partner and say, put that up front, wind this in, get this out of the way, do this, that, hand me the net, whatever. And uh, there's been times when I, I look and there's the guy, they got the phone out filming, and I'll be like, put the phone down and grab the natter, grab this rod. You know what I mean? It's like first thing everybody wants to do is film everything these days. Yeah,
3: exactly, yeah, wow.
4: But we are glad that he survived and uh, I find it a pretty interesting story. So it just goes to show you, you know, most bear, you know, they're not likely to attack, but if you get a, a big old bear over 500 pounds, it's probably a big old male who's been around the block now and then. It sounds like that bear was pretty pissed off. Yeah,
3: it sounds like it. Yeah. Well, I guess if I was a bear, I'd be picked off, too, if I uh, had a bunch of dogs yipping at me.
2: Yeah. Hey, listen, and- we
3: got another email real quick before the break. Uh, Jim sends us an email, says, Really important to use ethanol-free gas in any small engines. It is recommended by most, by most small engine shops. We call it magic gas in my family. We switched to it about 10 years ago and have had no need for small engine repairs since one of us collects everyone's five gallon containers and heads to East Troy about once a year Add a good stabilizer and the gas never seems to go bad. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim, for that. We appreciate that. I, I, I I kind of agree. I agree with Jim about that. Um,
4: Well, I'm quite sure it probably is better. It it is. And I knew yeah, we yeah. and I knew we would get that email because I know there's Jim's many gyms out there that will swear and say the same thing. You know but what though? I've had I've had zero problems using the stuff with ethanol. Now my, maybe my I don't old, leave my gas uh, my, sit for.
3: Yeah. my old uh, uh, snowblower, uh, one of the the rubber hoses that leads the gas to wherever, uh, whatever. Anyway, that rotted out, and that could have been due to uh, the ethanol. You know, that could have been it, the reason. I'm not sure.
4: Yeah, that's but, that's possible. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure that, you know, yeah, it's probably is better, but I haven't had any problems. And I, I typically run the gas right out of it and don't leave old gas. I typically try not to leave old gas sitting in things for a long time. And sometimes I have added a little... Uh, Think, well, stable, but seafoam. I think I added some seafoam recently.
3: Yeah, seafoam is good. That's very good. Yeah. Well, coming up next is the Hornschwagel. You've all been waiting for it. Now, with the Hornschwagel, your prize that you're going to win, because it's sponsored by Carl's Country Market, and you will win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls on the corner of Silver Spring and Pilgrim Road. Now, Bait Mate is not... Giving prizes anymore? They're they're done with. Okay, they only go through the end of September, so don't expect any bait mate or Coleman insect repellents. So right now, it's Carl's Country Market is your prize, and it is it is a a good deal if you get a ten dollar gift certificate. So if you want to be a contestant, you got to call. And if you haven't won in the last two months, by the way, but if you want to be a contestant, you got to call four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. That's four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. Call now. We'll be right back with the horn All right. Welcome
4: back to the wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors and right now Tom uh, evidently too many people are sleeping this morning uh, they, 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 they've got the doldrums it's raining out it's still kind of dark so we have not got a call for the horn schwaggle surprise so normally we get a dozen calls come in immediately and the first ones get lucky are the ones that get in but give us a call somebody right now you here's your chance uh, I won't make the questions too hard 414-799-1250, that's 414-799-1250, and play the Hornschwaggle, uh, maybe we can get a female caller too, we always get a lot of guys that call, but uh, um, give us a call, or a ch- or maybe we got a, a, uh, uh, some, a, a youngster that listens to the show, it doesn't always have to be an adult, give us a call and you get a chance to be on the air, and show us your knowledge of the great outdoors, and Tom... I thought I was hearing fireworks this morning, but, uh, you know, I'm putting two and two together. Um, I'm hearing shotgun blasts, multiple shotgun blasts across the lake, and they're going in volleys and boom, 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 boom. And it was uh, 3 o'clock this morning I awoke. At 3 o'clock this morning I woke up and looked in the parking lot because there was a boat and there were a bunch of guys dressed in camo and waders. And they were launching uh, a real, you know, a green kind of flat-bottom boat. And I thought to myself, huh, they're going out getting ready for some duck or goose hunting. So, sounds like they're having some success out there, Tom. And uh, I guess we do have a contestant, huh, Sam? So, good. who do we got?
5: Today we got Gary in Milwaukee. Gary, how you doing, Gary? Good morning, Gary. I'm good. Good.
4: Okay. So, here we go. I'm going to make the statements. And you, uh, if I'm pulling your leg, it's a horn hornschwaggle, but if I'm not pulling your leg, it's no hornschwaggle. So here we go. We've been talking about bear hunting. Bear meat is, in fact, pretty good to eat. But like pork, or like pork used to be, it, you do have to cook it thoroughly So you, because it can have trichinosis. horn Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle. No horn No horn Okay. Very
3: good.
4: Okay. Next one. Like pigs, black bears are omnivores. Horn or no horn swoggle? No, that's a no horn swoggle. Mm-hmm. Bears are omnivores. Okay. So uh, we kind of mentioned uh, bear and uh, pork in uh, trichinosis so along those lines uh, domestic pork by and large has been cleaned up where you really don't have to worry about trichinosis however if you shoot a wild boar in the wild you still have to worry about trichinosis in those wild pigs hornswoggle or no hornswoggle Wild, so basically. No, no horn okay, very good. No horn schwaggle. Yeah, you gotta watch out. Make sure that you uh, cook that wild boar good, just to avoid the trichinosis. Very good. So you, so you're a winner, Gary. Uh, what we'll do then is uh, you'll go to uh, Sam. Sam will get your address, and I will mail out that ten dollar gift certificate this week, and you can enjoy Carl's Country Market. I highly suggest the barbecue sticks. Okay. All okay. right.
3: Take Thanks, care, Gary. Gary. Okay. Is Gary on, on hold now? I must, believe
4: Sam's, must, Sam's, yes, getting, he is. Sam's all right. getting the information. Um, Very good.
3: You know, when you first mentioned about bears being – they have to be fully cooked. Well done. Uh, you, do you know that uh, TV show Meat Eater? Yeah. That, you know that one?
4: Yeah. What's his name? Grism Grism whatever, no, something like
3: not, that? No, it's not – it's not – Bear Grissom, no. Bear Grissom, okay. It's a different guy, and he goes out hunting for all different stuff, and then he, he, you know, cooks it, and he he shows cleaning it, and then he eats it. Well, he one time did not cook the bear meat thoroughly, and he got deathly ill. Oh, yeah, he got that trichinosis stuff. He was in the hospital. Oh, yeah, you got to be careful with the bear meat. Got to be fully cooked, well done. And pork... Years ago, pork, you had it cook it to like 165 degrees. Now, 140, and it's as tender as all get out. You know, 140 degrees is all you need on pork.
4: From what I understand, Tom, um, trichinosis could be present years ago because back in the old days, they just fed you know, they just fed pigs anything. They gave them old garbage. They gave them a bunch of, you know, mm-hmm. there might be dead mice in, in there that they're eating and all that stuff. Yeah. And, therefore, trichinosis, you know, as a kid, I, I was scared to not over, you know, I was scared that I wasn't cooking my Oscar Mayer hot dogs enough. Um, but nowadays, they've cleaned it up, you know, where they're, what they feed them is good stuff. And so they're, from what I understand, you really don't have to worry about trichinosis anymore. Right. Yeah, you really don't. Now, um, the other thing uh, that they they do suggest, I think another way um, is if you have it frozen to a certain internal temp, you know, where it's right. so- solid for a certain period of time, for a, yep. a length of time long enough, that that can kill trichinosis as well. Exactly. And then, it seems to me i read something about trichinosis in elk did you ever hear that i no it can't be i i must be imagining no, things I, there. No, i never did no okay seems to me i had heard about trichinosis and something other but other than bear but i think it's just bear and pork basically so yeah interesting another big bear story tom i was at the ewald automotive getting my oil changed yesterday and i talked to grant my service advisor and he asked where you been, 'cause you know, I, you know, it's kind of funny. They always put down like something on your floor, the floor mat of your, of your vehicle, yeah. so they don't get it dirty. Well, my, my floor mats are full of red mud from Douglas County, and I looked at him, I said, you really don't have to put that floor mat down. It, it ain't really, it ain't really gonna help anything. It's all. And he asked where I was, and I said I was up bear hunting, and he, he got all excited. Apparently. Some one of his uh, somebody was in to Ewald uh, just the other day and showed him pictures of a giant bear. Uh, he wasn't sure it was where it was uh, shot. He 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 knew where the guy was from. He mentioned that, but apparently it was a 700-pound bear, oh, and it wow. had and he said an enormous head on it. Uh, showed him the picture Shot here somewhere in Wisconsin, and they thought it might be record book quality and. And it's interesting with bear, they, they do measure them, not by weight necessarily, and they obviously don't have a rack like a deer, but they measure them by skull measurement. Right. And, and and basically they go from the tip of the nose to the back of the skull, and then they measure crossways, you know, from ear hole to ear hole, something like that, and that then gives them the skull measurement. And uh, he said it had an enormous head on it, so... Who who knows? Maybe uh, maybe somebody got a got a record book bear. I'm sure there's probably some shot in Wisconsin every year.
3: That that's a giant man. That's a big
4: one. Ooh. So I'll go. I'll kind of explain our our bear hunting uh, synopsis up there. Uh, as you know, I had a number. We had a number of bear on the on a spy point trail camera. We had a couple that we thought, two that we thought were shooters that might be around a 300 pound bears. And uh, then they all of a sudden disappeared and, and uh, the coyote disappeared, the wolf disappeared, the raccoons disappeared, everything disappeared for about four or five days, except for one great big bear that looked like it was over 400 pounds. And he would come in after dark, and then he would claim the bait station and he'd stay there till, you know, five in the morning. So he just, he just camp out there. And uh, I think he kind of ran everything off. Well, Then that kind of changed where uh, eventually we started getting some other bear coming back in. The big guy that we're talking about, um, I did get pictures of him, but unfortunately he stayed nocturnal the entire time except for last week Thursday. I had baited early at 8 in the morning before I drove the 370 miles back here. And that night he did slip up and came in at about 7 o'clock. That last 20 minutes of light up there, but that's the only time because we went, went back up there and Jeff hunted, and he had a sow and cubs come in. He said it was pretty entertaining to watch the sow and cubs, how the little cub would go in and start eating, and Mama would stand close guard, just kind of make a circle and sit and watch, you know, because those big boars evidently can kill the cubs. I guess they figure if they kill a cub, the sow might come in heat sooner and they get to breed, a, breed her again um but uh, he watched those and he said the little guy was pretty cute to watch and then there was a smaller bear that came in and uh he watched that one he had to shoo it away uh, one night i guess i mentioned he had to shoo it away last week well it was in again this week and he watched that little guy and then uh behind our cabin the one little one that i had uh, seen the previous week that guy came waltzing in behind the cabin and uh, I had to shoe that away. So we saw lots of, you know, plenty of bear around there, lots of bear sign. But he wasn't going to shoot a smaller bear. He could have. Could have got a bear. Uh, but holding out for a bigger one because he shot a 300-pound bear before. So no point in shooting 150. But I guess I'll have to wait till next year, Tom, because I'll probably have a tag. And I'm just thinking that bear will be that much bigger by the time I get back there.
3: Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, it probably will be. And uh, I was going to say, uh, during this break, Sam, if you will uh, talk to me after, uh, during the break, I've got to ask you something. So with that, we got to go to the top of the hour break, folks. So stay tuned. One hour down, one, two, another one to go. So uh, hang on. Hang in there. We'll be right
2: back. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi. and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors.
0: All <laughs> You're on the crazy train All
2: <laughs> Welcome. the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors, only on 1250 AM, The Fan.
3: I just want to remind you folks, the prize contests on the Cutting Edge Outdoors are the sole responsibility of the Cutting Edge Outdoors radio show and its sponsors. Any questions or comments should be directed to CEO Guys at yahoo.com. Well, good morning once again, folks. Uh, I'm Tom Neubauer, and my cohort in crime is Danny Bush. And we're here every Saturday morning for your enjoyment, I hope. <laughs> and uh, you can always, uh, you know, we're here from Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. on 1250 a.m. The Fan. And if you want to get in touch with us during the show, you can call us at 414- Seven nine nine twelve fifty, or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com Well, Danny, I we got a call in to my son, Nick.
4: Okay,
5: let's take find it.
3: Out, and, and Sam will let us know when he's on the line.
5: He is on the line.
3: Oh, okay, let's get him. Hey, good morning, Nick.
6: Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing?
3: So, listen, uh, you were up uh, deer hunting and, uh, you know, I was going to tell everybody about the story how You saw a nice-sized deer, but you let it go because it was too early on the first day. You thought you'd get a bigger (laughs) one, and then what happened?
6: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, long story, I went up for the first two weekends of, uh, you know, bow hunting, and the first weekend, uh, I think we saw some smaller deer, and then that afternoon, it was like zoo for me, from like 6 p.m. until about 7.15, or right before close, there was, what, I counted like seven or eight bucks right by me that were walking by. And the one was about right next to my tree, five yards away. It was a 10-pointer, just, you know, outside the ears. It, it was a shooter buck for me. And I, I was looking at it, and I'm looking at it for about 15 minutes. It's just eating acorns. It's crunching them. So there's like snot blowing out of its nose. the It was so cool. And I'm like, this is day one. <laughs> this is such a long season. I was like, I'm going to get a bigger one. So I let that one go through, and then as as that evening went on, I saw a couple bigger ones out in the field. But great night, everything like that. And then uh, Sunday, nothing happened. And I went up the following weekend, uh, and I wanted to take a dough because I'm out of meat. So finally, that afternoon, I crawl up into the stand. My brother Chris texts me, and I, I text him on my phone, put the phone in my pocket, and I just sit down trying to get comfortable and get my stuff together, and I hear something behind me. I thought it was a stupid squirrel again. So I turn around and look. I'm like, Oh, here, here comes a doe right behind me. Well, I wasn't ready. So now I got to wait. And that doe comes through and then turns. And now it's, and now it's about 20 yards in between like sticks and branches and stuff. But there, I like, if you walks out, I had a little opening to squeeze one through. And, uh, Anyway, sure enough, I went to that spot and there was a storm coming. And I was like, I got to shoot this now before this rain washes everything out. So if I want it, I got to take it. So I I took the shot, bam, hit him perfectly. Or she. And uh, yeah, took off maybe 40 yards or something like that. And bloodbath, easy tracking, got it. So I was happy. But the moral
3: (laughs) of the story is you passed up on that nice buck and never saw a bigger one.
6: Yeah, and then so then the next day, though, after shooting the doe, I went out to the same stand, and I was out there for a while. And You know, you're getting discouraged, and it was like the last, what, 20 minutes of light or illegal shooting. And uh, here comes three bucks that look exactly the same, like six-pointers. That One of them was a little taller, and they're coming in. They're eating and feeding, and I thought it was real cool. I'm just watching them, and they're right by me. And also, I hear something coming through the woods and I look and here is a monster buck. And that's, I was going to shoot that one. And, um, but I had all these deer around me and I, I was kind of in a weird position. I needed to move, but I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. And then I had to wait till the one deer put its head down and the other deer wasn't looking. The big one wasn't looking. So I could just make a little move. Well, I made a, m- a little move to get ready to shoot. And, uh, when I made that move, the littler bucks didn't do anything, but that big one, I don't know, he just looked up, stomped its foot, started running a little bit, and then I was like, I, I was going to try to stop it, you know, and it didn't stop, and it kept going, and anyway, that was a monster.
3: Yeah, I probably should have took that first one you saw.
6: I don't know. It's, like I said, it's a, I, I hunt a lot. It's a long season, and, you know, the rut will be coming up, you know, yeah, at the end true. of the month, and.
3: Now, where you hunt you, you you
6: and your in-laws, you got whats what's that
3: deal you got for shooting deer?
6: Oh yeah, so where there? we're at we you know we can with our tags, you can shoot uh, for bull hunting three does and one buck, but through the whole season with gun and buck and all that we we try to do a little bit of quality deer management, each guy can shoot what do we say two does, but nobody really are, I do that a lot, but <laughs> a lot of the other guys don't um, and then one buck and it has to be. Uh, even with the ears are bigger, you know we're trying to not shoot the small ones. In the past, we would sometimes, you know, you know the, the end of the season, we're like, ah, shoot, just shoot a buck if you want, you know, get the meat. But we've changed that over the last handful of years, and it's paying off now. A lot of these bucks are really nice now that we're seeing.
3: Well, that's that's great. That, I think that'll work for anybody who does that, you know. So that's a, yeah, yeah.
4: Hey, Nick, I got a question for you. Um, yeah. You 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 shot the doe. You said because you needed meat, correct? yep Yes, it is. okay so now have you have you talked to your father at all about his non-eating venison now have you had any conversations because <laughs> i have and i i don't get it
6: i don't know that that's his personal choice but i tell you what i love it and one of my favorite things is taking those back straps putting them in a pan with a little butter salt and pepper two minutes on each side oh my god yeah and i and i butcher it myself so i'll hang it out you know up in the woods and take the prime cuts and then we'll take the carcass there's a cw uh a deer dump right over there i can drop it off um and then i take those cuts home and i'll sit in the garage you know turn on the radio and i'll you know take the you know steak them up cube them up for stew meat you know whatever i need to do if i have enough i'll grind and make burgers but i'm actually gonna make some uh sunday tomorrow my son likes to eat it so we're gonna make uh venison you know beef stew type of thing okay And now, and you're going
4: to be at, you're going to be at the big uh, fish fry today then.
6: I am. Yes, I am.
4: Well, you've got, you've got your surf and turf weekend all lined up.
6: I am Yeah. I was thinking of bringing some venison over there, but we have a lot of fish, so we'll, uh, we'll be good on the food front. So I'll save it for another time. Gotcha.
4: Well, cool stories. You're seeing some big bucks uh, and you got the rut, like you said, in front of you. So pretty exciting season this year.
6: Yeah, it started off with a bang. Like, we're seeing a lot of deer. And uh, this is the first year we actually tried to make some food plots. And uh, those things are starting to pay off. We got the trail cam on the one, and that thing is just – it's not even that big of a food plot, but this thing is loaded with them. And they love these tillable radishes that we put in there. You can just tell they're digging those things out. They're almost all gone now.
4: (laughs) I'll have to talk to you sometime about that food plot thing. I might – give that a try up on my land and see if I can, you know, figure out something that might be good for them.
6: Yeah. I I mean, almost all that stuff is, uh, I am trying to remember some of the stuff we put in there, but I think anything is better than nothing. I mean, there's food sources around you got your acorns, you got the fields that are around, you know, with the corn and beans, whatever they're growing. But I don't know, once they, you know, pick that corn and this and that, now you have another food source sitting right there. I mean, it's, this is the first year we did it, and there's a significant difference, especially with the cameras that we have up. So no, they, they like it. Did you say
3: radishes? Tillable radishes, yeah. Tillable. That's what they're called. Radishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do they look like? Are they round or elongated or what? Long. They're the long yeah, they're kind ones. Of long, okay. Yeah. So half of them is sticking up. The deer can see the red part right away, hey? Eh?
6: Yeah, well, they see that leave. It's like that certain leave, and you can just tell right where they are. And yeah. They, Dig them out. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
3: Okay. Well, when are you
6: going so, up next? Uh, well, that's me and Angie need to talk about that. I have stuff scheduled at the end of the month, but we'll see. But it looks like Halloween weekend. I was going to go, I have off uh, like that Friday the ninth, So I was thinking of buzzing up after work on Thursday, hunting Friday, Saturday, and then coming home Sunday for trick or treat. So
3: yep. Got to do that. All right, yeah. Nick. Well, thanks for the information. Good yeah, story.
6: no problem. All, take right. Care, All right, you guys take it easy.
3: Yeah, I'll see you later Good on. Today. Well, he's, Lots, he's lot, seeing a lot of deer,
4: people are seeing a lot of deer. Uh, my friend Jerry sent me some trail cam pictures of uh, <clears throat> Waukesha County deer that looks enormous. Uh, there, a lot of people are you know seeing big deer. And uh, the hunting's just going to be better, and uh, you know, or should get better with the rut going on. So, uh, yeah, looks things uh, it, things look well for a good deer deer harvest this year.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, fishing-wise, I'll tell you what, this is the time of the year that I like, and I'm, we're supposed to be going tomorrow, but it's supposed to be raining like all day or something tomorrow. So we got to decide. I mean, I don't mind if if we go. I mean, I got a rain suit, so that wouldn't bother me. But if my son, my son might not want to go. So we'll see if I go out tomorrow or not. But this is the time of the year like uh, that we like going out. But I wish the water temperature was a little cooler, you know, well, a little bit less.
4: You, you mentioned uh, water temperature from one of our listeners. Yeah. Uh, when I uh, started fishing, I think yesterday morning, it was around 66 degrees. Yeah. But uh, by the time late, or uh, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I believe we were at least 69. seems to me it was 69 point something. No, it actually did hit 70, I believe. I had, yeah. did have some surface temp at 70. So this this weather I think is screwing things up I believe to a degree I don't know at least as far as muskies out here evidently uh, there was a club outing uh, a week or so ago and I guess a 49 inch muskie was caught I was talking to Jim Dembeck Uh, I know that uh, he trolled up a a 41 incher this week Uh, I took uh, Dr. Sandy on Thursday and uh, I decided to try and troll shallow um on the east end and then eventually i was going to troll you know deep on the west end but i started trolling with some uh spinner baits i had some uh uh, what was i using the grinder the dick pearson grinder and uh a pink one believe it or not but i kind of like pink for muskies uh i got a, a pink double cowgirl which i've caught big fish clients have got big fish on it but we were trolling we hadn't fished five minutes tom we left the dock and i said we're going to start fishing right here and i put the spinner baits and they were actually kind of breaking the water because i was running them above the weeds and they'd kind of break the water and kind of bulge a little bit and kick off some line. and and, uh, sandy said to me says well it's it's breaking the top of the water do you want it to be like that and i said yes that's the plan Uh, i'm trying to bulge those it's almost like a top water sandy and it's running over the top of those weeds, and he says, "Wow, if you get a hit on that, uh, you, that you'll sure see it. That'll be something." And w- it wasn't a minute later. We're in the middle of telling stories because I haven't seen them in a couple weeks, and you hear ee ee ee, you hear a good rip, and, and look back and you see this fish, you know, swirling on top of the water with the spinner bait, and then it takes off on a run, and uh, he caught a 40 and a half inch muskie. That was uh-huh. a great way to. That was a great way to start the day, Tom. But you want to know what the rest of the story was? I'll bet you can guess.
3: Yeah, didn't see another one all day, Not right? a
4: god dang thing the whole rest of the day. <laughs> we, we trolled shallow. We trolled deep. We trolled medium. We trolled slow. We trolled fast. We did everything in between. Uh, you know, I, I smoked incense and put beads on and said Indian chants. Everything I could do to try and get a fish. Uh, and uh, it didn't work, and it's kind of funny. After he caught that fish, I turned and looked at him, and I said, you want to drive back to Chicago now? I said, because I had that feeling like, you know, this might have been the highlight. Quit while you're ahead, and uh, so we didn't, didn't get anything, but, you know, we, I joke, you know, we, we had a great time out there. Uh, yesterday I took a, a young, young guy out that uh, he, he caught a fish with me, trolling about a month or so ago and he wanted to come try some more musky fishing so I went out and I did a combination now I tried the shallow water trolling and uh, that didn't work as it had the day before Uh, then we did some casting we cast real shallow we cast some mid-range depths 10 to 12 feet Uh, we did some trolling did some deep water trolling Uh, fished hard for six hours and uh, after about five and a half hours finally uh, I had a, a nice fish follow. I was throwing uh, the old spinnerbait uh, that John used to sell them. There. Keith Eldrip used to make them uh, called the Nut Buster. It's a, it's a big, giant spinnerbait with a, one big, giant blade on it. And uh, I've had good success with that over the years. I think the, that big thumping blade, if you slow roll it deep, it kind of calls them in. And I had a fish about a 40-incher come in, and he turned about twice on figure eight. But uh, he uh, I couldn't quite... Couldn't quite close the deal. It actually kind of looked like when I first saw him, like he had his mouth half open when he was coming in behind it. Um, But he wasn't quite hot enough, but that was the only fish of the day, and I wish Tony, my client, would have seen it. But from his angle, he couldn't see it as I was figurating it. Um, It would have been cool if he'd have gotten a follow because you know know how it is, Tom. Your muskie fishing, it's not always measured in catches. If people can see a couple muskies following the bait to the boat, that's always exciting. Exactly. Uh, but we had a good we had a good time nevertheless. But I, these conditions right now, I I don't know. I don't think uh, yeah I, I don't think a good great. We dragged a sucker didn't have a sniff on that. I haven't heard much as far as guys on that sucker bite. But with this weather like this, it might be a while before that sucker bite gets going. I don't know.
3: Definitely. Well, listen, we're, we we got to take a break, and after the break, folks, we're gonna talk a little Packers football, but. I got a question for Sam since he's the, the football expert. And uh, Danny or Sam will probably know the answer to this. So stay tuned for more, folks. We'll be right back with the, more of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors.
4: Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors, where we talk all things hunting and fishing, and once in a while, uh, per my buddy Tom, we bring up a little football. Yeah,
3: a little football. Now, here's the question I have for you and Sam. Okay, you know, when football first started, uh, it was all running plays, and then somebody got the bright idea of throwing forward passes. Who or what team or when did forward passing start? Does anybody know that?
5: Mm, not at the top of my head.
4: Oh. When did forward passing? Yeah, when and who? who
5: I liked, know Curly Lambeau is a big part of you know opening up the deep passing game, but I don't know when the forward pass was like invented.
3: Well, I I don't know if it was. I mean, was it like when did somebody just start throwing it and then then the ref said, "Hey, wait a minute, what are you doing? You can't do that." <laughs> you know, how did that all start? I well the,
4: for, the forward pass has been around a long time think of Don Hudson one of the greatest receivers ever yeah uh, but I mean even
3: before that that somebody there had somebody had to start it somebody had to start throwing it or they maybe they had a discussion you know well, Tom and h- yeah how do
4: you how do you know that they, that uh, they didn't start out as the forward pass and eventually they started running the ball
3: no because I remember I remember reading about it was all all running. And they even had old clips from the late 1800s. It's all so it was
4: running. more like a it was more like a rugby type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lateral's and running, but
5: according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it was 1906. The forward pass was legalized. The first authenticated pass completion in a pro game came on October 27, 1906, when George Peggy of Maslin through a completion to Dan Bullet Riley in a victory over a combined Benwood Moundsville team. <laughs>
3: so 1906. Yeah. So before that uh it wasn't legal. They had a they had to make a ruling in the NFL to make it legal. Eh? I would assume so. Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. Well, I wonder who came up with that idea saying, why can't we throw it? <laughs> you know, why do we always have to run it? So so, Sam, you got any predictions for uh, the game with the Packers and the Steelers?
5: Uh, Packers are favored by six and a half points. I would probably say that they would cover just because Pittsburgh's offense has kind of been in flux. Big Ben, not I'm not going to say that he's washed, but he's, uh father time is certainly catching up to him. He can't really throw the deep ball anymore. Uh, their O-line isn't as good as what you'd expect them to be, so really... As good as the Steelers' defense is, if the Packers just you know take care of business and all that, I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is going to be able to catch up. So uh, you,
3: don't, you you think this week's game will be as exciting as last week's?
5: I think in the first <laughs> half, I think the first half will be a little closer than everybody wants it to be. I think yeah. you know, but the second half, I think the Packers will kind of open up and run away
4: with it.
3: Well, let's hope so. What do you think, Danny?
4: Uh, yeah, this one the Packers got this in the bag.
3: Well, that's what we like to think all the time. But, geez, they never make it easy, do they? Well, never make it easy. They always make it tough and exciting at the end.
5: Honestly, I mean, they proved everybody wrong last week. I know. Everybody was taking the 49ers, including me. And, man, I mean, <laughs> you give Aaron Rodgers the smallest amount of time. I mean, 37 seconds is all it took with no timeouts for them last week. So I and- wouldn't I wouldn't put anything past them.
3: Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that ending uh, was I mean one, once San Francisco got that touchdown with what was it 34 seconds to go I thought the game was over that's it you know but oh, nope, Aaron proved us wrong so
4: Well Aaron's Aaron's fortunate that unlike the poor Minnesota Vikings we got a kicker that can kick the field goal <laughs> so,
3: Yeah
4: yeah You know you got to kind of count your blessings otherwise we'd be looking at all the ways you know that they screwed up and didn't win so yeah
3: and we also have a receiver that could get open
5: right right that was probably my favorite part of last week as soon as aaron Rodgers spiked that last uh play that they got down to like i don't know 35 or whatever as soon as he spiked it he just gave a big old fist pump like yeah all right we got mason crosby this is over
3: yeah Yeah. he's been pretty good for quite a few years that yeah, they, you know, they showed Mason Crosby with his helmet off. Boy, that guy's getting pretty gray, you know. He's been around a while.
5: Oh, yeah. But, hey, still got it.
3: Oh, yeah. He, I mean, man,
5: what? look how long Adam Vinatieri was in the league.
3: Yeah, you know, it's like uh, to be a kicker, you don't have to be uh, in great physical shape, you know. You just got to kick the ball every now and then.
2: So.
5: <laughs> oh, if only, if only it were that easy, Tom. <laughs>
3: if, oh, yeah, I know, if only it was that, that easy. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Sam, for your insight
4: and input. I just got to kick the ball every now and then. Yeah, Yeah. how hard can it be? No big deal.
3: Hey, a punter's got it made, you know.
4: Can you hold my beer? I got to go out and kick the ball here.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I I think back back in the old days. Hold my spot.
4: I'll be right
5: back. I, I mean, Tom. In the old
3: days that that was true. Hopefully.
5: Not all of us can be Sebastian Janikowski. We're just you know kind of mailing it in, but at the same time, we can bomb a you know sixty yard field goal just out of our sleep.
3: Yeah, and what was that one guy? He 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 hit a sixty six yarder last week.
5: Yeah, sixty six NFL record. Justin Tucker, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Unreal. Detroit Lions. Yeah, and no. uh, did you see it?
2: Yeah, no, no. because
5: oh, Tom, you got to watch the video because it hit the uh, hit the crossbar. And then it bounced really? in.
3: yeah. Oh, was he lucky. Wow. Yeah, That's amazing. He, I'll, I think I'll look it up at YouTube during the next break.
4: Yeah, it was an incredible kick. I'm old enough to remember Tom Dempsey's kick. And yep. many of you remember he was not a soccer-style kicker. He was a straight-on kicker, yep. and he had a club foot as well.
3: Yeah, uh, his, his shoe was square in the front.
4: He played for the New Orleans Saints, I believe, 63 yards, and I th- want to say it was against the Rams. Uh, not exactly sure. And I think that was—I don't think that was on an artificial turf either. Uh, I think that was on a natural field. What kind of field was the one that Tucker kicked it on?
5: It was at Ford Field, in Detroit, so it was in a dome on turf. Okay.
4: Now the turf that they have nowadays is a lot easier. It's not killing people's careers and knees, I guess. It's more kind of a natural kind of a thing, I guess. Uh, but I'm guessing kicking inside a dome is still easier than kicking outside. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah,
3: you don't yeah. have any wind to deal with. Yeah,
4: yeah I, it seems to me, Tom Dempsey's, as I recall, I, I'm in visualizing the the old video, and someone could look it up. I think that was on kind of a crappy field as well. But the the '66, and I can't remember whether that one doinked the crossbar i don't think it did i think it just barely cleared by a whisper uh as i recall but it'd be interesting i think the 66 yard one i mean if that 63 yard one lasted as long as it has uh this 66 yard kick could last for decades well actually
5: matt prater uh former lions kicker he actually broke that record before tucker broke this one so uh, Prater had actually broken Dempsey's for a couple of years, and then Prater, I'm um, sorry, Tucker broke it uh, this past week.
4: Okay, well, how long was the one uh, uh, that that dude kicked? i got to look
5: Dempsey's. up Prater's. I want to say it was like Prater's. 64, 65. Okay.
3: Well, okay. you know, the, front, the reason 60- why we probably won't see, you know, maybe that record being broke is because how many coaches are going to tell their kicker to go out and kick a 67-yarder, you know. Right. Uh, they're going to probably play it safe and punt instead. So,
4: Yeah, so is, it, it, and I guess the other thing, too, you could say, let's say you got a great kicker who you think can make a 70-yarder, and if you're up by 40 points, well, yeah, then it wouldn't hurt to go and try and kick it, but then that's kind of rubbing it into the other team. So in a scenario like that, sportsmanship-wise, you're probably not going to have a coach try it just to get a record. I would. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, you, Tom. I would, yeah. If I was the coach, I'd say, go out there and get it. Let's
3: rub it into these yards. There you Let's go.
4: There you go. Just, oh, you, I, there you go, just worrying about yourself, Tom. One oh, last yeah. thing here, too. It was kind
5: of poetic justice. Uh, the guy that I was just talking about, Matt Prater, who, who tied Dempsey's uh, field goal before Tucker broke the record. Actually, this past week, too, He's in Arizona now. They tried to kick a 65-yard field goal too this week, but it came up short. And uh, Jacksonville, who they were playing against, ended up getting it and returned it for a touchdown. Oh, really? Yeah. So (laughs) kind of poetic justice that Arizona tries to go for it, they miss it, they get it returned for a touchdown. Then Baltimore breaks the record.
3: Yeah, that that's pretty rare when they when that happens. Wow. Well, listen, we got to go to a break. Bottom of the hour break. So when we come back, we got more interesting stuff coming up. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors.
1: Welcome
4: back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer. And uh, once again, we want to thank our listeners for being with us. If you have a uh, hunting or fishing story, feel free to call in. This is your show. It's not just listening to us. 414-799-1250. Yeah,
3: uh, Sam and Danny, yeah, I went on YouTube and looked up that 66-yard field goal. That was amazing. It hit the crossbar and went. Oh, must have went what 10, 20 feet into the air?
5: Probably, probably ten feet or so.
3: Oh yeah, went way up in the air and fell on the right side of the goalpost. Wow, that was that was pretty impressive.
5: Pretty I forgot deep. to mention too, he is one of the most accurate kickers in football history, Justin Tucker, and he actually missed one earlier in the game too. Wow! And then come back to hit a sixty-six yarder. So just awesome.
3: Pretty interesting. Well, so I, I hey. guess
4: in a situation like that. You know, if, maybe if it were a 50-yarder, Sam, there'd be more pressure to win the game with that. A 66-yarder, in a way, there's kind of no pressure because, hey, nobody expects you to make it anyway. Oh, yeah. So you got nothing to lose. Just, just you know, give her nuts and let her fly.
5: <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself.
4: Yeah. That's probably what he was let saying, too. Yeah. Kick the crap out of the ball
3: and see where it goes.
4: Just hit that zone of a gun and, 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 and see what the heck happens here. So, yeah.
3: Oh, goodness me. So, what else you got, Danny? Anything? Well, uh...
4: Uh, fishing story. I, I alluded earlier to going to the bait box in Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, nice, small, little. It's 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 sad because it's an older couple running it, and you just know that eventually it'll probably be gone. You know, John used to always lament the death of those small little bait shops, and uh, and it's how, harder and harder for them to survive uh, with big boxes and everything else. But uh, if you ever do uh, get to Superior, stop in there. And uh, he's got a bunch of musky stuff now. He's got a lot of he, a lot of stuff. He did mention, like you, Tom, that you know. It, Ordering things and just getting inventory has been really hard for him, just like you mentioned at Sherpers when you were ordering stuff. Um, But he has a pretty good selection, so stop in and support him. But I bought the sucker minnows. So uh, I mentioned my cousin. He likes to fish the St. Louis River, and uh, there is a place uh, right on shore uh, where he caught a uh, 41-pound, 48-and-a-half-inch muskie years ago. And uh, he was walking down there a couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned, and he saw some kids with a stringer. And I, they had a 46-inch pike on a stringer. I told that story last week, right, I believe. Right, right. Yeah. So I went to that spot. And I stopped by and talked to my cousin. And uh, he, uh, he actually, I, I, he was walking his dog. I, I bumped into him as he's walking his dog. And uh, he said, well, he said, mm-hmm. uh, conditions really aren't that great right now. Uh, as far as, uh, as far as, you know, catching a musky or a pike at that spot. He likes to get there right when the storm's hitting. He watches the weather conditions. And he, he told me a few other places I could go fish from shore, but I told him, ah, what the heck, I'm just going to try it anyway. So I go down there and I put the, I had a little, I had a treble, just a single treble, put it under the back of a sucker, um, and, uh, launched it out there on a slip bobber. Set the rod down walk over grab my other rod which i had a johnson silver minnow on and i was going to cast that and i go to cast and i look and i see the minnow sliding under the water and taken off and i'm like i I almost tripped and broke my neck on the railroad tracks there as i ran to my rod because uh, i didn't have it in free spool so i'm thinking it's gonna pull my rod right into the river but i managed to hit the button and waited set the hook And I'm fighting this real nice pike. Uh, It's making runs, this and that. And I caught it, about a 32-inch pike, fat and sassy. Got it perfect, right in the corner of the mouth with the treble. And I'm like, well, holy cow, that was cool. All I did was throw it out and waited one minute, and a pike nailed it. So I put another sucker minnow on, walk out, lob another cast uh, off the trestle into the river, and walk back to try and cast. And same thing, I look bobber down and gone i'm like this is too good to be true so i set the hook and i couldn't believe it tom well now that i think about it i do it was a smallmouth bass and he had grabbed the sucker minnow uh so i released that put another minnow on chuck it out same thing immediately line goes under and this was another smallmouth bass that actually had swallowed the sucker minnow so deep uh that uh i couldn't i couldn't it it, the it was a fatal uh it was fatal on the smallmouth i couldn't dislodge the hook and the sucker i couldn't believe how fast it sucked it down but uh that was the end of the action i didn't get any you know 20 pound plus pike but man i'll tell you there's got to be something about that spot if he's caught a big muskie there big pike are being caught there uh some and smallmouth that uh, something about that area current or whatever that's uh, holding fish, and uh, so I thought it was pretty cool. But then I thought about, you know, uh, smallmouth on sucker minnows. Seems to me uh, this time of year there are some guides that guide for smallmouth up around the Washington Island area, and they will go out and they will use, I think, like, you know, chubs or, you know, small sucker minnows and fish them down deep for smallmouth, and smallmouth will grab a surprisingly big minnow. Have you ever done any of that, Tom?
3: Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, what what's the name of the big lake south of us? I can't think of it right now. Geneva. Yes, Geneva. A number of years back, I went out there with a guy who uh, guided out there. It was in, uh, oh, it was late October. It, it was pretty chilly. It might, could have been early November, too. It was pretty chilly out. It was kind of cold. And uh, he was catching uh, smallmouths on uh, chubs down in uh, 25, 30 feet of water. So we went out there, and yeah, sure enough, down thirty feet of water, we were catching smallies and on these chubs, and uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Yeah,
2: you, you you really
4: don't think of you know when you think about you know bass fishing up here anyway, you don't think about that a lot. But you know, think about it, uh, down in Florida, you know they use those big wild shiners in the winter for this for the largemouth.
3: Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean. And let's face it, you know, a fish's favorite food is other fish. So, you know, a smallmouth eating, you know, minnows is, is, is you know, right up their alley, you know.
4: It's well, I, I've, I've mentioned more than once many years ago in Lake Como when the guy caught he tip-up fishing for pike, and the guy got a nine-pound largemouth. So it just goes goes to show you, um, you know, live bait sometimes uh, sometimes is best.
3: Oh, yeah, sometimes it works great without a doubt definitely well listen we got to go to the last break of the day danny last i know it's sad folks but uh it's the last break of the day and we'll be right back we we've got another uh eh, 10 10 minutes to go or so 15 minutes before the show's over so hold on to your hats folks we'll be right back with more of the wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors
4: welcome back to the final segment of the wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors thanks to everybody who got on board the crazy train now uh, we're still on the rails here for a little bit tom
3: yeah you know this a uh, few weeks back i was going through this old couple of old worm bags of mine it was a special bake made by a uh, productive lure company and they had it was almost like a three-ring binder and you had all these different slots you know to put your worms and jigs and all that. And I hadn't gone through it in quite a while, and I was checking it out. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, the Ned Rig, the stand-up mushroom head jig, a lot of people thought that was something new, and I forgot about it at the time, that, uh, you know, I, I had uh, stand-up mushroom head jigs in this bag from 30 years ago, as well as some other stand-up jigs. Some of them, uh, boy, kind of looked like a triangle, and, you know, they were diff- different types of them, but, you know, stand-up head jigs are nothing new, and I just wish that years ago, I would have thought about putting a small three-inch, you know, worm on the back of that yeah. mushroom we, head jig.
4: <laughs> we wouldn't be calling it the Ned Rig, it'd be the Tom Rig.
3: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you'd
4: be, be rich and famous but, and retired, living in a house in Malibu, and right. you wouldn't but, you be know, here doing a radio show with me.
3: <laughs> but, you know, it's funny how stuff goes around comes around you know i mean stuff that was used year ago years ago and we forget about it then all of a sudden it's like hey this thing's great you know uh as a matter of fact the ringworm do you remember the ringworm
4: i've tom i've had a lot of things but i've never had ringworm
3: okay well (laughs) there was a ringworm made a four inch ringworm with a curly tail at the end and it was made by producto lure company and uh and there were some other companies making it too I mean, it's a long time ago, 30, 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, and I caught plenty of fish on it, you know, and uh, that, you know, that four-inch with the curly tail. And the ringworm, it was like, oh, I don't know, kind of looked like a centipede almost. Well, anyway, and and then you don't see them anymore. You you don't see a ringworm anywhere. So it's like, you know, you know, I, I started using them again, as a matter of fact, a few weeks ago. I started putting that on a drop shot rig and was catching some
4: fish. So, well, Tom, I, I did find the old Junebug strip-on spinner rig, so maybe the ringworm is somewhere, some place for sale. You just got to find it.
3: Yeah, it might be somewhere. I, well, I doubt it because I don't think the uh, Producto Lure Company is in business anymore. I think they're done.
2: Producto. I, I,
4: can't,
3: <laughs> I can't remember who else made that. Uh, I don't know if anybody else did, but anyway. The old
4: who could forget the old Producto lure company. Uh, what other what other world famous baits did Producto come up? Who made the speaking of old baits? Who made the old snake proof frog? It's still around, by God. I, I remember seeing that for sale in magazines in 1960s. Yeah, I I
3: yeah I I, I, I I can picture in my mind the the the, the packaging. I think that was the name. Of, I mean, and not just the name, but the snag-proof name proof
4: company. company. Maybe yeah, that was I, the company, like Snag Proof. Like and, the, and they made the Snag Proof Frog, which I've talked before, was also the Fish Proof Frog because you, yeah. they'd grab it, but those hooks were so tight to the body. And as a young kid, your reactions were quick. Soon as there was a splash, you'd jerk the hook, and, and that the old Snag Proof Frog would go sailing over my shoulder into the trees behind. Uh, and then they came out with one that looked like a hula popper, and yeah. that was a Snag Proof. I had one of those. And then I think... Gee, I think they might have even made a mouse. I think I had a little, little brown rubber mouse made by the old snag-proof company. But you know that they're still around. I see those <laughs> green frogs. They're still around years later, and they haven't changed. They still won't catch fish, but they got to be catching fishermen for sixty years because yeah, they had... they're still there.
3: Yeah, there was another lure that Producto made. You know, they were from a company out of Florida. It was called the water moccasin. And it was the, the head that looked just like a snake head and then a big old hook on it. And they made these tails that were about seven inches long, the big ribbon tails. And boy, I'll tell you what, that thing coming through the water looked just like a darn snake, looked just like a snake. It, it was very cool looking. As a matter of fact, I, I did their uh, commercial for them and uh, we went to this one uh, pond where we knew this guy had a pond that had a lot of bass in it, and they were easy to catch. And so I'd throw that water moccasin out there, and those those bass would come up and just inhale that thing. It was so cool. Uh, Never caught a lot of fish on it in the area lakes.
6: Okay, so you
4: did try it.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I caught a few fish, but it was never the hot bait, you know, never the hot one.
4: Well... I can see, you know, like a, a, a small snake swimming would have a seductive, you know, appearance. You know, a, 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 you know, a big fish is going to want to hammer that. Um, but as far as it having a lot of flash, vibration, displacing a lot of water, maybe it isn't the type of bait that's going to call a bass from, you know, far away. It's got to go right over their head. I don't know. Yeah,
3: it's definitely a visual, shallow water visual bait. Yeah, definitely.
4: And you know, and I think fish probably react to vibrations more than what we even really want to. You know, we always talk about the lateral line on a pike and muskie, and they've got a long lateral line. Uh, But other other fish as well. I mean, it's amazing. You can have a bunch of bluegills, you know, by a pier. And you can just take uh, anything, uh, you can it's something small, a leaf almost, uh, a seed, whatever, and you can just throw it where it hits the top of the water and all the bluegills will immediately come darting right up to the top of the water to see what it was. And, you know, it's not like they necessarily saw it, they must sense the vibration of just that small little whatever hitting the water, it's really amazing.
3: Yeah, as a matter of fact, like if you uh, if you, you had min like well, when I had my bait shop and we had a big minnow tank, and if you stuck your hand in the water on one end, all the minnows at once would go to the other end. I mean, they all felt it, it seemed like at the same time. When you watch these old Jacques Cousteau movies of guys underwater and they got this big school of fish and they get close to it, it seems like they all move at once in unison, you know? So, yeah, that lateral line can really detect that uh, that underwater motion and that, that water displacement.
4: They can feel so, that. Tom Neubauer trivia. What was the vessel that Jacques Cousteau used to use?
3: The Calypso.
4: The Calypso, right.
3: <laughs> yeah. I,
4: I wrote a song about that, Tom. Oh, you did? Hi, Calypso, we sing to your spirit. No, that was, uh, didn't John Denver do a song? Yes, he did. Yeah, 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 another stupid song. Not one that was on my. Put it this way, that was never on my eight-track cassette. No, neither. Racing down the highway.
3: No, I I don't. Throwing beer
4: cans out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to devil worship acid rock and roll. (laughs)
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, no, no calypso music.
4: No calypso. No, that wasn't on my top ten list.
3: Yeah, John Denver did have a few good songs, though, but. uh, not so much the Calypso.
4: Well, actually, I will have to say that uh, there is a little bit bit of uh, romanticism. I don't know if that's the right word when you think about the Great Lakes and some of the legendary shipwrecks and so forth. So, um, he did. He didn't he do to the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald?
3: No, no, that was. Uh, God, I can't think of the guy's name. No.
4: I, that wasn't him. Okay. Not,
3: John Denver did not do that, no. The different guy. Huh. I just can't think okay. of his name right now. Okay.
4: Well, but that, I guess that's a
3: great song, the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's a great yeah. story, you know. And
4: it's fascinating the number of shipwrecks. Uh, yeah. Up, I was even looking up by Lake Superior there, I was looking at a plaque when I was fishing by Wisconsin Point last week, talking about the different ships that went down. Truly amazing. And Lake Michigan. So. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we got about a minute left, Tom, so we got to do our homework and figure out who did that song. But Gordon Lightfoot, I think that See, was there it. There you
3: go, Gordon Lightfoot. There we go. Wow, sure now I got nothing.
4: I got no homework assignment for the week, but <laughs> all right, I guess for, for now, that's all I got, my that's friends. That's all I got, too.
6: To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone.
4: You've been listening to the Wacky Walleye's cutting edge outdoors. Get out, hunt, fish. The bucks are running, my friends. We'll talk to you next week.